0: Jim Cochran is a 50-year-old Navy veteran who enlisted straight out of graduation from high school in Kansas. He was deployed to the Persian Gulf on aircraft carrier USS America and participated in operations Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and Provide Comfort. Jim became one of the youngest enlisted aviation air wing warfare specialists. Jim was honorably discharged in 1995 and is a proud member of the Veterans of Foreign Wars. Jim. Jim has a genetic disorder called polycystic kidney disease that has attacked and permanently damaged his kidney function. West Orange resident Jim Cochran needs to find a living kidney donor. This is a special edition of West Orange On The Go, and my name is Austin Arthur. In the studio tonight, I have Jim and his wife, Elisa, here with me. Jim, Elisa, thank you for being on the program. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So I'd like to start, as I most often do whenever I talk to good folks in our community, just a little bit about your personal life. You know, I know that I just read some of it, but just tell me about you guys, you know, growing up and what you're all about. Sure. I was uh, born and
1: raised in uh, Manhattan, Kansas. I uh, right out of high school, I, I enlisted, and uh, I ended up just outside of Jacksonville, Florida, at NAS Cecil Field. Joined Air Anti-Submarine Squadron BS thirty two, um, and uh, I, I did a most of the time we were actually deployed on the aircraft carrier. Um, uh, we went around looking for submarines, protecting the carriers. Um, and uh, that, that, was, that was definitely a, an exciting time in my life for sure. Um, but I uh, got out and uh, went to school here locally, went to UCF, got my bachelor's in computer science, uh, minor, I, and then I got uh, my master's in uh, information systems at FIT, and um, met my beautiful wife, Elisa, and uh, we've got three wonderful daughters. Uh, Ashley, Abigail, and Alexandra, um, Abby and Alexandra, are going to University of Florida right now. Go so Gators! There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's 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 been it's been a great a great ride. Um, unfortunately, through the process, uh, as you mentioned, uh, I've got this hereditary disease that uh, my grandfather had and my father has. I've got an, an Fortunately, one of my daughters does too. And there's there's really no cure for it currently. They just have to, you know, treat the symptoms that come up.
0: Right. So tell me a little bit about, tell us a little bit about that disease. What does it do to the body? What is it, uh, what are the, like the symptoms?
1: Sure, sure. Um, I've got polycystic kidney disease. And essentially that means that cysts grow in your kidney and they enlarge until a point where um, you know, the kidneys just can't function anymore. The kidneys are designed to filter filter impurities out of your blood and they get, just can't do that. Um, and uh, the, the, typically the symptoms will be things like uh, hypertension, um, you, know, you, you can get tired very easily, uh, things things of that nature. So uh, they they watch those very closely, you know, medicate um, to to make sure things don't don't get too bad.
0: Mm-hmm. And what what's the prognosis on something like this? This kind of condition. It, it's
1: it's classified as a terminal illness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And your grandfather had it, and did he ultimately pass in complications related to this disease? Um, they.
1: It was ironic at the time he was a head surgeon at uh, St. Mary's Hospital in wow. Kansas City, um, but uh, he didn't really take care of his own health too well. Oh. So uh, he, he was heavy smoker and everything sure. else. So uh, it, it could have been any number of things that he passed from. Right. Yeah.
0: And how's your father doing with his health and, and his condition?
1: my father's uh, doing pretty well. Um, He had his transplant about 15 years ago and he's still going strong with his. So that's, that's great. Um, No, no complications to that really.
0: Amazing. And then your daughter, of course, she hasn't had a transplant or anything like this. Is it a progressive disease where as you get older, it becomes more of an issue?
1: That's exactly right. When you're younger, you're just aware of it and you try to your best to eat right and exercise and you really don't have to worry about things until the hypertension starts setting in. And then you have to start treating it.
0: And is that what has now occurred with you? Are you starting to get a bad hypertension and this kind of thing? Is that why we're at the point where we need a new kidney? Um I- my... I, I've been dealing with hypertension for
1: many years. Um, mm. I, I would say I probably started treatment in some capacity or another for about 7 to 10 years. Um, at, at this point, um, they, they've they said that uh, the kidney has, has digressed to such a stage that um, we need to look to doing dialysis now. Mm. So you have to plug yourself into a machine and it'll automatically filter your blood for you. They've got several different ways to do it now. It's much better than it was back when I was with my dad and saw him going through the process, but uh, it, it still really takes a toll on your body. Um, it, it could be uh, anywhere from four to eight hours that you have to be plugged into the machine mm-hmm. to, for it to filter your blood. Um, and it can be anywhere from uh, three to five times a week that you have to do it.
0: Wow. Now, with dialysis, though, if you were on dialysis, what does the prognosis, does it change? Is that something that you can stay on and and be okay, or is it more of just a Band-Aid, so to speak? Yeah,
1: it it is more of a Um, Band-Aid. Theoretically, uh, it could potentially be indefinite, but you know, it really takes a toll on your body as well. And, uh, that, that, yeah, it's, it's tough to go through.
0: How long do you think before, or what did they tell you before this might, you know, be the case for you that you need to go on to dialysis is, do they have kind of a timeline that they think we're looking at?
1: Yeah. I, I actually got on the kidney transplant list in November of last year. So it's been about, I've been on for about a year. Um, they, uh, gave me an estimate at that time that uh, based on how many people uh, needed kidneys and how many were available that I would probably come up on the list in about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So that means I've got about a year, year and a half left on the list. And uh, they believe that probably by you know, within the next couple of months, I have to be on dialysis. I'm mm-hmm. already beginning the process. There's things you have to do um, to prepare for that. That You have to see a vascular surgeon. They'll they'll pull veins out on the outside of your skin. So it's easier to, you know, plug into, you know, blood filtration systems.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So that is a, an interesting thing because we always hear about these lists, you know, the, the list. what. How does the list really work? Who gets prioritized? I mean, you gave us a little bit of an idea of what they told you for timeline, which is, of course, just a prediction, certainly no guarantee. But how does it really work? Like, who's getting prioritized and what is that list really like?
1: Well, they – again, I'm speaking from what they, they've told me. So um, uh, the information I have is their are regional lists, so it's not just one list for mm-hmm. the whole country. Um, and you can, if you'd like, be on multiple lists in multiple regions, you ha- just have to be able to respond to those areas within a certain period of time if your name is called. Um, as far as prioritization, they do, it, it's really first come first serve for the most part uh, with the exception of they do try to match the type of kidney need to the donor. So, for example, um, somebody that is in their 80s and they need a kidney, they don't need a kidney that's going to last 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they, they are a better candidate for somebody that might have one of, of mm. shorter expectancy. An older yeah. kidney. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So when you say these regions, they have these different lists in different regions, what is the, the significance of the regions if you could apply it to any of the regions? Would you have to go to that area to receive that kidney?
1: Yes, that's correct. Okay.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. Now, what are the qualifications for somebody to be put on or to be considered as a donator? They're
1: uh, essentially anybody can do it. Um, they have rough guidelines for ages uh, around 18. But again, those are those are just rough. And um, I, I don't know if they actually have a cap. They do have some disqualifiers, though. And uh, some of the big disqualifiers are BMI, your body mass Um, uh, they like for it to be below 30%, but they, some places will take up to 35. Mm -hmm. Um, any, any history of cancer can be an immediate disqualifier. Any Mm -hmm. dependencies to ibuprofen could be disqualifier, uh, and and diabetes is, is another big one. Mm
0: -hmm. And then for somebody who's donating, what type of timeline are they looking at? What would the experience of... Being a donor, what would that look like in terms of, you know, you, you, you find a match, you become a match for somebody who's in need, and then you have the surgery. What does that all look like in times of timeline? How does it affect the person?
1: I can say as far as the timeline goes, uh, that varies greatly based off of wherever you go. Um, I've uh, heard several different stories uh, with talking with folks all over the US and, and it, some will get in and out and it will be very efficient and others it, it can be a very uh, laborious process mm. depending upon uh, the transplant center that the recipient is registered at. Um, but uh, as far as what to expect on the back end, um, typically uh, a recipient would have to stay in the hospital um, uh, three to four days. Uh, but they'd have to stay around the hospital for about a week. Uh, to they'll they'll come in for outpatient checkups and just to make sure everything's going okay. As far as being out of work, um, if you work in a, a place that is not physically intensive, the expectation would be you'd be out of work about three weeks. Um, if you are in a very physically intensive kind of job, uh, typically about six weeks. Mm-hmm.
0: That's incredible. See, I don't think a lot of people would assume that, that you know this is a recovery of just a few weeks to actually donate a kidney, an organ within your body, that that type of recovery is so, maybe not easy is probably not the best word, but a lot shorter than you might assume without without having that knowledge. So that's very important information. Now, how does, does it impact if you are to donate your kidney? Obviously we talked about the three weeks recovery, but are there limitations moving forward for the person is there risk tell us a little bit about that subject the
1: m- most uh, significant thing as far as uh, you know adverse uh, effects that people experience afterwards uh, many experience some some sort of uh, pain in their shoulder they'll say oddly enough and, mm-hmm. and that's uh, accumulation of, of some sort of gas pain I see. and so that's that's the significance uh that a lot of donors will will see and that that is just temporary and that goes away fairly quickly again i can't speak personally uh i'm I'm not a donor but uh i do have a very close friend of mine Her, her name is natalie um and uh she explained the whole process that she just recently went through in july to me and uh she said uh, there there really weren't any significant physical limitations as mm. far as diet once you come out of it or uh, you know what can you do as far as exercise and the biggest impact really had nothing to do with the physical process itself it was more of the the experience and, and sort of the spiritual aspect mm. of you know the impact that you made on another human being and their family and, and you know a lot of people say they want to make a difference and they want to do something how can i how can i do something that really has an impact well this is something that someone can do that uh, not only changes you know a, a person's life it changes a whole family and many and many people associated to them you know for the rest of their lives it's a huge impact and it's immediate
0: yeah i mean just thinking about it, you have three kids you know think about to donate to to donate an organ to save a life you know it's so true that that's not just that one person you're affecting it's an entire group of people children yeah. who want their father around exactly so how does one do this in terms of for you how if somebody thinks that maybe this is something that they feel convicted that they could do maybe they know somebody that might be able and willing how do they get started for you,
1: sure, sure. If uh, if anyone's interested in helping me specifically or uh, other veterans like me, um, uh, I'm working with a, a group called uh, Dove, and uh, that, that's really a group that that helps uh, veterans, uh, donor outreach for veterans, and uh, they can be reached at uh, DoveTransplant.org, and uh, just let them know. You can you can have a specific veteran you want to help out. You can have a certain type of a veteran, maybe a, a single mom. You know that's who you want to target. They help find those people and put them together with the type of person you want to specifically
0: help. Mm-hmm. So when they go on the website, they can put in your name, even. Yeah, there's a, there's
1: an application uh, on there to fill out, and if you have somebody already identified, you would put put my name in there. Yes. Okay.
0: So. Obviously, this is a, a very tough, uncertain time. How do you guys personally, as a family, as a couple, how do you deal with this, this whole roller coaster that you're facing, this uncertainty?
1: Well, um, I, I will say that I, I, I am a strong believer in, in, in God and a higher power. Um, but uh, I know there's a plan and I've got yes. all sorts of faith that, that there is um it can it can be a little bit lonely at, at times and i will say uh prior to us finding this group and there's another uh, group out there neighbors helping neighbors that helped us uh as well mm-hmm. um it we, it was it was a little you know a, a lot of faith i'll say yeah. a lot of faith and, and that can be very overwhelming but these folks um there's folks out there that maybe they they don't want to donate but they want to help out people that donate there's you can help financially you can help Mm. organize you can help do media campaigns for these people you can just sit and talk and listen and i can tell you uh when when i got a call from this group uh natalie specifically um it was it was just like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders she said "We're, we're here we're with you we're gonna put you in touch with other people just like you that are going through this I was a donor. I know exactly, you know, the process. We've got you and your family
0: on a personal level. We um we live life like normal people do. You know, even though we have this looming over us, we uh <clears throat> we still we've we've picked up scuba diving over the past couple of years. Uh, this is our first year as empty nesters, so we've taken advantage of that. We still. Go running, Jim's and uh, Jim and I are both avid runners, and we we do local races and five Ks. He just did a half marathon two years ago. Wow. Um, so we, we try to live life normally.
1: I mean, he has to watch his diet. He can't drink alcohol, so we don't go to bars. We right. don't do those things. But um, the best anyway. <laughs> but
0: yeah, yeah. But but we uh, we live life just like everybody else, and try to try to make the most of it every day. Right. Yeah. Very good. Is there anything else you want to tell the listeners? Any message or any other comments?
1: Um, I, I would just encourage folks uh, to to do whatever they can. You know, if if nothing else, um, then uh, go to go to Donate Life, like you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, if uh, something should unfortunate happen to, to anyone, then you know it could be the last thing you do is to save another life. So, yeah. if nothing else, uh, please go go to Donate Life. But uh, there are several organizations out there. Um, Uh, Just uh, it doesn't have to be a veteran. It could be anyone. Uh, I will say um, last year alone, there were a hundred thousand folks on the list that uh, over a hundred thousand that needed help and uh, over five thousand uh, lives were saved last year mm. um, by people donating, and eighty-five uh, percent of those were uh, were people in need of kidney transplants. So, wow. there's a lot of people out there really helping out, but uh, you know, there's still a very big need.
0: Yeah, and that's an important point because even if you know maybe you get a kidney soon, and somebody hears this and they feel compelled to help, there's still so many people out there that are in need and. To be able to give a part of yourself, you know, you mentioned God before, and I believe in a God, and I believe that our bodies are not ours, they're his. So being a steward of that organ that maybe you could give up to somebody else to help save a life and impact an entire group of people, an entire family, it's very profound. Jim is a veteran of this country. He served this country I pray that somebody will be able to help him our veterans give us so much put so much on the line maybe tonight you will consider if this is something you might be able to do to help a good man to help a veteran of our country, here in our community. If that's you, visit Dovetransplant.org. That's Dovetransplant.org. You can put Jim's name in your application. They've already had some people offer to donate, but they didn't qualify So it's hard, it's a hard search. Pray on it, think if maybe it could be you that helps. Otherwise we can all surely lift up prayers for Jim, Elisa and their family. Together we are better This has been a special edition of West Orange On The Go. My name is Austin Arthur, and I want to thank my two guests. And I want to thank all of you for listening to this program. Good night, West Orange.